Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. I sent Christ to span that gulf between the best efforts of man, no, not even the best efforts, that span that he stretched is all the way to the gutter of man, to the throne of God. You see, I don't even have to crawl out of the gutter. All I've got to do is look up and cry out with a broken and a contrite heart. And God says, I'll get you out of that gutter, son. I'll pull you out of the muck and mire and set your feet on solid ground. The truth of God must be believed not just because it's true, but it's also the best direction for our lives. Pastor David reminds us today that we have a complete need to be lifted up out of sin and given a new life in God, and we accomplish nothing apart from Him. God created us, sustains us, forgives us, calls us, and uses us to help accomplish His work on this earth. Our solid foundation is found in God. We are just like Paul, who said it is only valid to boast about what God has done in his life. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message, Believing the Lie Over the Truth. what he says here in verse 3. But I fear. I fear that lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from what, church? The simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Wow. You understand what he's saying? I'm I'm afraid because these guys are going to come in with lies. They're going to come in with other stories. They're going to come in with another testament. They're going to come in with the word of God that you can only read through special glasses and or that an angel has spoken to them. And you know what? You guys are going to fall for it. I'm afraid for that. That's why you and I need to be grounded within the word of God. You know who the greatest number of converts to Mormonism, to LDS are. Those who profess to be Christians and yet aren't grounded in the word of God. Because they have a little truth, then they believe a little truth mixed with an abundance of lies. And Paul is about that. That's what Paul's worried about. No, don't, don't be deceived. The lies and the deceit of the enemy have come from the very first. They, he, he says, man, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Eve was deceived by, by a little bit of truth and yet an abundance of lies. 
And that's how the enemy works. He'll mix truth with lies. And so that those who aren't truly founded on the solidness of God's word are willing to believe the lie over the truth. I shared with someone even this past Sunday about this whole idea of false doctrines and false teachings. If I were to come up to you, for those of you that are carnivores, if you're, not a, if you're a vegetarian, this probably wouldn't work. If I come up to you with a, a nice thick steak, grilled just to perfection, seasoned, just absolutely wonderful. I mean, nice, juicy, cooked to just exactly your desire. And I said, hey, man, I have made this just for you. And you can, oh, the smell, oh, man, it's just overwhelming. And you take this thing, and you're getting ready to cut into it. You see, man, they cook this to perfection, and you're just getting ready to bite it. And I said, the, the only thing, there's, there's just a little bit of arsenic within it. <laughs> Would you continue on? No. You think, are you kidding me? I don't care how good it looks. There's lies in that. There's death in that. But how do I know if there's lies and there's death in these false teachings if I'm not grounded within the Word of God? If I'm not studying in it, if I'm not learning it, if I'm not applying it and growing in it? Paul says, man, I'm... I'm I, I fear lest somehow you put up with this different Jesus than what we preached. You'll say, oh, no, it's not a different Jesus. Say, no, it's a different one. Our Jesus is God in human flesh. Our Jesus is one of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, and you're coming up to me and you're telling me, whether it be whatever uh, false teaching it might be, and you start to, that's where you're going to find out where a false teaching is. You talk to them, you ask them, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus in your grand scheme of things? Well, he is a great teacher. He is a great prophet of God. He's a man that showed us the way of God and he pleased God even to the point of sacrificing his life before God. All of that sounds really good, but you know what? It's not enough. It's not enough. Truly, Jesus is God in human flesh, the Word becoming flesh, dwelling among us, and who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sin. Why? Because we can't do it ourselves. You see, for those that have another Jesus, they set him up as an example. And if you do good, if you do right, and if you really try really hard, then God's going to accept you. I mean, God's going to accept everybody. He's a God of love, isn't he? You see, yeah, he's a God of love, but more than that, he's also a God of justice. He's a God who the Word shows us from beginning to the end, that he pours out his wrath on the sons of disobedience. Don't forget that. You can't, you can't you know, uh, accentuate one and hide the other because he is God in all of these things. And Paul says, there's going to be somebody that comes. It's going to be a different spirit than what you've already received. And they're going to come with a different gospel. 
The gospel that we have is the fact that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that there is none righteous, no, not one. The gospel that we preach is that while we are yet sinners, God demonstrated his love toward us. The gospel we proclaim is that Christ died for all men in order that man might come to God through him. Don't believe a different gospel. He says, I'm afraid you guys are going to accept it. You're going to put up with it. Why? Because there's these slick teachers coming in with, with all these promotions. And the, man, they sound so good. I am fearful for that. Paul knows that if they allowed the false teachers to have their way in a non-contested way, and they're listening to them frequently over their car radios there in Corinth or maybe on their TVs at their houses there in Corinth. You're listening to all these false teachers that pretty soon the false teachers are going to have an impact on your lives. Okay, I know Corinth didn't have cars or TVs, but Casa Grande does. What are you allowing within your head? Oh, but I just listen. I love listening to him. He's got a great smile. Oh, that's twice I've referred to him. Uh, Let's move on. A little bit of a lie and a whole lot of truth is still poison to your system. And too many listen to lies and lies and lies because it sounds good. It tickles their ears. It's pleasing to them, and it makes me feel really good after I hear it. Paul knew that if the church continued without checking that, not like like the Bereans. Man, the Bereans, after Paul taught, they'd go home and they'd open up, well, they didn't have Bibles, they had scrolls, and they'd look up the Old Testament. Man, they'd look up the Scriptures to see if what Paul said was really true. How many of those that are listening to false teachers today are really doing that with an open Bible? And really balancing that. Oh, yeah, but see, that one verse says that. Yes, that one verse does say that. But I can show you a multitude of other verses that bring into balance the situation. Again, false teaching more often than not zeroes in on one or three or a set of verses that again become the strength of their doctrine and of their theology rather than again the balance of the Old Testament as well as the new. Don't ever discard the Old Testament church. It is the Old Testament that is the foundation of the New Testament. And if you don't have at least a cursory understanding of the old, you'll never really be able to fully understand the new. What was the scriptures that Jesus taught out of, church? The Old Testament. What were the scriptures that Paul and James and, and Peter uh, and, and John quoted from in their writings, church? The Old Testament. Don't ever discount the Old Testament. From that, we learn to fully understand the new. Paul was afraid that too many of the doctrines of the church, the, the strength of the church, the foundation of the church was going to be watered down in such a way that they'd literally move away from the grace that Paul had raised them up in. And that's what was happening to the church in Galatia. Remember the church in, in Galatia, as Paul writes to, uh, in, in the book of Galatians? False teachers had come in. They stated that they had a message from God. Somebody comes into our fellowship and says they have a message from God. I'm going to tell them, sit down for a while, okay? 
I want to hear your life before I hear your message. And then when you give that message, I want to see where it is filtered through this and what the truth is. But not so with the Galatians. They had allowed these false teachers to come in with this message from God and the people, rather than contesting it, rather than studying the scriptures, rather than falling back on what Paul had already taught them, they began to soak it up, soak it up, and soak it up. They took it, the whole thing, hook, line, and sinker. And so Paul writes to the Galatians in chapter six of the book of Galatians, if you want to turn there with me. Chapter six, down in verse six. It's the same problem that he's dealing with here as he is dealing with in Corinth, these false teachers with different gospels. In Galatians chapter six, down in verse six, Paul says, man, I marvel. I'm blown away. You guys are messing with my mind by the fact that you are turning away so soon from Jesus. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. This is what he says in verse eight. But even if, and Paul says, even if we, even if somehow in my life I I change and I come back and I give you a new story. So even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Not simply, well, let you know, you just got to be nice to the guy. He's only a little off. No, he says, no, he's coming in with a lie. He's destroying the church. That's why I think it's okay to say names where there's false doctrine that's going out and to point to the church where false doctrine is sucking the church in. Why? Because it's doing damage to the church. Verse 9, he says, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Paul is pretty well in your face, straightforward with that. I don't think there's any punches being pulled. He says, no, that guy preaching another gospel, man, he ought to go to hell. That's the word right there. He is condemned. Let him be accursed. Nearly every false doctrine and every teaching out in the world since the time of Jesus and even prior to that, as I shared with you, will have a hint of truth. Think about it. Otherwise, people wouldn't be susceptible to it. If I came in and I told you today that I've got a new revelation from God, church, God is an elephant. They've got him in the Bronx Zoo. And we all need to come together, take all of our funds, bring, we're going to collect a a huge offering here. And the more you give, the more people we're going to be able to send to the Bronx Zoo to go see God. You'd say, you're out of your ever-loving mind. And truly, you should. Call the wagon, pick him up. But if I came in and started spouting, you know, the greatness of God, God's revealed to me that even as the Word says, the Word says that God's not willing that any would perish. 
God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And so really, nobody is going to hell. When Christ died on the cross and he said it's finished, that means he did away with hell. And no one's going there anymore. You see, it's easy for many of you to say, oh, no, that's not true. But some of you might be going, really? (laughs) I hope nobody in here. But you see, that's how easy the truth can be perverted into a lie by bringing some truth, even quoting Scripture verses, and yet turning it around to a lie. Nearly every false teaching has some hint of truth in it, and some more than others. The gospel of grace is so wonderfully simple that people have an amazingly hard time believing it. They feel they need to be responsible for their own salvation. I've got to do something. And yet the word of God says, no, you come to me as you are. I'll change you from the inside out. That's why a lot of churches have a thing. You want to join our church. Here's a list of things that you can no longer do. Really? That's, that's changing the outside man. But what good does it do for the inside man? Again, Paul warns those that come under the law of man, says, do this and don't do that. It has an appearance of godliness, but there's absolutely no, no real change that's going on. The gospel of grace, you need to understand, is so gracious. It's so gracious because God is reaching out, because he knows that you can't save yourself. Because he knows that, oh, you'll get, oh, you'll make a good try at it. You'll give the good, solid try at it, but you won't make it. And God knows that. That's why he sent Christ to span that gulf between the best efforts of man. No, not even the best efforts. That span that he stretched is all the way to the gutter of man, to the throne of God. You see, I don't even have to crawl out of the gutter. All I've got to do is look up and cry out with a broken and a contrite heart. And God says, I'll get you out of that gutter, son. I'll pull you out of the muck and mire and set your feet on solid ground. That's what the promise is. I'll be your strong and mighty tower. I'll be your defense. I'll provide myself a lamb of sacrifice for you. The gospel of grace, so natural. It would seem only right that if some angelic being came into play that, that these there in Corinth, that they would believe the message of angels over men. But beloved, it's, it's not the messenger that is so strong, it is the message, the truth of the message. That's why God can speak the truth even through pastors and Balaam's donkeys, you know, the same, same thing. He can declare the truth through those because it's not the messenger, it is the message. You get an angelic being, you get a man affluent with words and very appealing to, to everything. They say, wow, he's definitely got it. I see the man, yeah, he, he speaks all the Christian lingo. He's got it down. But he, if he doesn't have the truth, Paul says, let him be accursed. 
verse 5. We're, we're back in 2 Corinthians, by the way, chapter 11. Yeah. I don't consider that I'm at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Even though I'm untrained in speech and yet I'm not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. It's interesting, we're, we're going to stop here at this point, where he says in verse 5, I consider that I'm not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. And right off the bat, we start thinking, well, he must be speaking of Peter and, and, and John and, and, and James the, and the other apostles. But do you realize when read through the Word of God that there were others who had the ministry of apostles, but not the office, Okay, there is definitely a difference. We won't go into that study, but it'd be a great study for you to do personally. That there were other apostles. Those were the ones that were sent out. There were some that had the office of apostles, the ones that Jesus appointed and even Paul himself. When Paul says, no, I was called by Christ himself. That's the office of apostle. But there is also the ministry. And I believe that Paul is including all of them. He says, man, I'm, I'm not inferior to, to, the, to the best ones. How can Paul say that? That's kind of boastful. I mean, you got a little pride thing going there, Paul. I want to tell you something tonight. I'm not inferior. I personally am not a f- inferior to any other pastor that's preaching the word of God now or ever has. Say, whoa, you're pretty boastful. No because I know it's not me. Because if it's not Christ in me, then I'm nothing anyway. It's got to be the work of God. And if the work of God is in anyone, doesn't matter if you're untrained in speech. It doesn't matter if you're lacking in a, in a degree. Where, 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 did, where did you go to seminary? I didn't go to seminary. Whoa, how can, how can you be a pastor? Because it's the Spirit of God working within me. It's the call of God in my life. People look at Calvary chapels and they say, you guys, one week you were doing drugs and rock and roll and the next week you put Christian lyrics to your rock and roll and stop doing the drugs and they let you out on the weekend out of jail so that you could go start your church. That is, that is really the case for some of them, okay, in the early days. But the Spirit of God was on these guys. And it's not just Calvary's. Man, there's men all over this world that God is using in a powerful way, not because they're so highly educated by man, but because they are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit of God is working and moving in an individual's life, man, woman, young person, beloved, the enemy trembles because we're pressing against the very gates of hell. And that's where I want us to be. That's where I want you to be. That's where I want me to be. Getting the enemy upset. And you know what that means? That means there's going to be a stirring. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be attacks. There's going to be situations that come up just make absolutely no sense to you. But the enemy will do anything and everything he can to cause you to back down, to step away, and to lessen the forward charge for the hope of the gospel for this lost and dying world that we're living in. Open our hearts, change us from within by the 
thank you for listening to today's message from The Open Word. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 2 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us next time on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, or shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, Bible-based teachings with you anytime, anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at TheOpenWord.com, be sure to click on About for more information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is TheOpenWord.com. That's all the time we have for here today on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 2 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a blessed day.